0: Certainly glad to be uh, here with you again today. Thank you for inviting me back to preach while your regular preacher is away. I think he's all the way up in Montana, if I'm not mistaken. That's, that's good. He could get away. <clears throat> uh, a few days ago, someone asked me how old I was, and I said, I'll be 95 next week. He said, when are you gonna retire from preaching? And I told him, I said, well, I'm not gonna retire from preaching. And then I quoted to him something that I read in your electoral American Press, I believe it was this past week. It, well, something like this. Uh, Preach, and uh, if you need to, you can use a few words. Now, you think about that for a second. You know, most of the preaching is done without words. Let that sink in a little bit. Sometimes you are the only Bible that some people will ever read. We are all preachers. We are all preachers every day of our life until we die. One way or another. We are preachers. So I'm not going to retire from preaching. You aren't either. We will be preaching until we die. Now, but that's not my sermon. That's land yap. See, down here in South Louisiana, you need a little land yap, so that's land yap. My sermon is Holy Ground. We sang about it a little while ago. To my knowledge, the first place it's mentioned in the Bible is in the book of Exodus in chapter three. And I'm going to read a few verses from there as a beginning place. Uh, These verses have to do with Moses. Moses was a very unusual man, a very great man called by God for a very great purpose. Uh, The life, he lived to be 120 years old when he died. And his life is uh, pretty well divided up into three very distinct brackets or categories, three to 40-year periods. The first 40 years of his life, he spent in the lap of luxury in the household of Pharaoh in Egypt, brought up there by the Pharaoh, although he was a Jew. He uh, had everything you could possibly want, the best education, he had all the luxury that Pharaoh's house could afford him. But he got in trouble down in uh, Egypt and the Pharaoh had to run him off. He took him out into the wilderness and ran him off from Egypt and said, don't ever come back. And then he spent the next 40 years in the wilderness there of Sinai. He finally made his way after he was uh, exiled from Egypt and found uh, some people and he finally found a good looking woman out there in the wilderness and married her. And for the next 40 years, he kind of settled down and tended flocks. And uh, it's at the end, about the end of that second 40-year period, he's 80 years old, that we read here in Exodus chapter 3 about. So while he was out with his flocks one day in the wilderness of Sinai, that is at the foot of old Mount Sinai, that's where he had been living the past 40 years, happy, content, thought, well, he's about Old enough to retire, not do much, take it easy the rest of his life. He's 80 years old. We'll pick up reading in chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb, Horeb was the main primary mountain, and Sinai was a peak of that mountain range. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I'm going to turn her side now and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. That is why it didn't burn up, why it wasn't consumed. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet For the ground whereon thou standest is holy ground. Now you don't find that phrase often in the Bible. You find it a few times. Holy ground. What it means is, is where God is is holy ground. It happened to be that day God came in the bush, right? At first it said there was an angel. but if you look a little further, it was God there with an angel. Anytime you find God, you're going to find a bunch of angels. You, You notice that in the Bible. You find God, you find a bunch of angels. God was in that bush the second time, it said. And he said, Moses, take off your shoe. That is, become humble and meek You're in my presence. Where God is, is holy ground. Let me give you another example. In the same book, in chapter 17, he had gone down with Moses and uh, convinced Pharaoh to turn the Israelite captives free. remember all that rigmarole he went over down there with all these miracles that he had to show Pharaoh to get him to turn them loose, but finally he did. And they left Egypt. And they went out and camped for a while at the foot of Mount Sinai. And God said, now Moses, I want you to get everybody settled here because I want you to come up into the Moses, I'm up into the mountain. I'm going to spend some time with you and I'm going to tell you how you're going to organize the people, how they're going to march across this great wilderness to a land there over on the coast of the Mediterranean and see that I'm going to give them, the Canaan land, the promised land that I'll give to them for their very own. But I want to tell you how to do it and how to build a tabernacle so that we can take it along with us and worship as we go towards that land you come up into the mountain just you nobody else and when you come up into the mountain I'm going to come down on the mountain and meet with you now I'm paraphrasing this you can read about it Exodus I'm going to meet with you Moses on the mountain nobody else In fact, tell the children of Israel, do not approach the mountain, do not touch the mountain, do not come near the mountain, do not even look upon the mountain, because I'm coming down and where I am is holy ground. That's what happened. God went up there, the only one. And God, I mean Moses did, and God gave him the ten Commandments written by the hand of God in the tables of stone. And no animal, no living being could touch that mountain while God was there. That was holy ground. Take your shoes off. The ground where you stand in is holy ground later on he led them across God did the wilderness all the way to the land of Canaan and because God was with his people there it was called the holy land on the way he said I'm going to give you the design of a portable church house tabernacle Where you can meet and worship, and you carry it with you. And there's parts of it holy, the priest can go in some parts, but inside of that tabernacle, there's a special place called the most holy place. That's where I will come down and meet with you and the people and the priest. And it's holy. Nobody else can touch it or go there. The dwelling place of God in the tabernacle. The most holy place. And then if they had the Ark of the Covenant, just certain people were able to move it. very strict. Why? Where God is is holy ground. I want us to get that. The Jews had a word for it. It's a beautiful word. The word is Shekinah, where God is. Shekinah. Will you say that with me? Shekinah. That was the weakest I ever heard in my life. If we got to preach. Practice it all morning. Let's hear it. Shekaniah, where God is, holy ground. They had a holy ground. They had a holy land. They had a holy temple. They had all of these holy places because God was there. Well, what does all that mean to us? Do we have those same things? We do. We change from an old fleshly law, an inferior law, to a much greater spiritual law under Jesus Christ, but we still have those same things. Listen. In Hebrews chapter 12, let me turn over there and read that verse right there. Listen, that. the writer of the Hebrew letter is writing to Hebrew Christians, and he said, For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burn with fire and blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it would be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But you, the Hebrew is writing to the Hebrew Christians, you are coming to Mount Zion. That's us. That's where we're meeting right today. out Mount Zion. Unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Who's the firstborn? The Lord Jesus Christ. You've come unto the general assembly and church of Christ. which are written in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, and the spirit of just men might be perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. He's saying Christians have holy ground, a holy place, a holy city, A holy mountain. In 750 B.C. before Christ, Micah wrote this in chapter 4. It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be... uh, Established in the top of the mountain, and all people shall flow into it, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. The law shall go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He was speaking about the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ the holy mountain of God, the holy ground of God, the holy temple of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Writing to the church, Peter said, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Christians, you are a holy nation. The holy people of God. That means Christ and God. And the Holy Spirit are with us. And what does that mean? That means that this right now is holy ground. Now, are you, have you been really aware of that fact? Jackonia Where God is You better walk carefully, circumspectly and reverently. Holy nation, royal priesthood, a people of God's own possession. We are the holy city. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. You are come to the city of the living God. He was writing to the church. We are a holy temple. First Corinthians three sixteen. Paul writing to the Corinthian church said, You are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you. The Hebrew writer summarized it in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. You are come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the general assembly, and church of the firstborn, which is Christ, church of Christ. That's where we've come today. 167 times in the New Testament, we find the phrase, in Christ, in his body, in the church. That's where Jesus is. That's where the Holy Spirit is. That's where God is. That's why it's holy ground. That's why it's our Shekinah. Right here, right now, as we've come together. Paul wrote this, God is in Christ. That's in the church, his body. We are the body of Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. Now I brought all that together so you'd understand the holiness of where we're at and what we're doing right now. Now, In view of that, I'm afraid that sometimes just because of the frequency and the repetition of the things that we go through in our worship, that perhaps we sometimes become too complacent about what's happening right now. Sometimes I think we lose our sense of awe and respect. Our sense we lose our sense of anticipation and our sense of wonder. How do you think God feels if we've gathered here this morning, to offer a very casual, shallow worship to him. How did he feel about Mount Sinai? Or the most holy place in the tabernacle? Or how did he feel about that burning bush where he told Moses, Whoa, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Too often because we do the same things over and over and over again, they become meaningless acts kinda out of habit. We wake up on Sunday morning, I really want to get up too much, and we kind of wake up late and we hurry, grab up. We going to church well, I guess we ought to go and so we' Grab a little breakfast and throw a little, and, you know, casually. Hurry up though, a little bit late, that's all right, but not too bad, it's fine. Holy ground, Shekiniah, why do you think God designated that the church come together on the first day Of the week. Why didn't he make it the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth? Why? Because God's going to be first. God is never, ever going to be number two. And if he's number two or three or four or fifth in your life, oh, friend back off from God. That's why he started our week this way like we're doing right now. He wanted us to start out as Christians, members of the body of Christ, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Start our week out this way that we might he that we might know that this is the most important thing of our whole week, of our whole life, coming together to study and worship God. And because we meet at the very first of the week, it should set the tone for the rest of the week and the tone for indeed the rest of our lives for that matter. So God decreed that we start our week by meeting And singing and praying and studying and communing and giving just two or three hours is all he asks out of us. That's not much, is it? Considered he's given us a lot of hours in the week and in our life. Where does God exactly stand in your life, in Jesus and the Spirit of God? If you think He's going to be satisfied with anything except number one, please reconsider. God will not accept leftovers, second best, or what's left. Our religion that we practice and preach and love and teach, and our worship, all of our offerings must cost us something. David a long time ago said, "I will not offer unto the Lord that which cost me nothing." And he laid out an axiom that we can live by. Holy God. Holy ground. I know that we're Christians all week, not just on Sunday. And I know that all week, uh, we, I s- sing and we pray and we study all week. I'm sure you as Christians do that. I, in fact, I'll tell you this, the older you get, the more and more you'll find yourself just kind of praying. I understand what Paul means now when he says pray without ceasing. I have nearly got to the point in my life where I just about do that all day long. And that's good. And I sing to myself. And I, I think about And I love my brothers and sisters and my neighbors and I I love them and I think about them and I I reach out to them in my mind all week long. And that's right and that's good and that's something special. But it's even more special when we come together as a body of Christ because God wanted that way. He he declared it, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's pleasing to God. That's what He wants it. It's for not only His benefit, but it's for our benefit. It's where we recharge, renew our dedication. Start over again. Help one another. Together, we are better than we are when we're single out by ourselves. And God knew this. I know that, especially this past year, the virus has had a significant impact on our assemblies. Uh, We're about to get back in full swing like y'all are, thank goodness, up in Quincy. And we're finally getting back to where uh, we're having our full uh, Sunday night, uh, Wednesday night program all going again. And that's good and right. We need that. And I'm glad. I miss them. And I'm glad I can be with my brothers and sisters, and when I'm around my brothers and sisters, I'm better than I am when I'm by myself, and invariably. And I'll be glad when we get back to hugging again, too. This old bumping fist, I'm getting sick sick to death of it. It's taken me 95 years to really appreciate what a holy kiss is. And so so I'm going to take advantage of it the last whatever time I got left. But I'm just sick and tired of social distancing. And I'm like David. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. There we will learn of his ways and of his paths. Oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, This is holy ground today. This is a dead serious business in lots of ways. Do not treat the assembly of God casually. Come rather with joy and praise, come with preparation and prayer. Come emptying of yourself of all this worldliness that we accumulate every day of our life in our little lives out there. Come with reverence and godly fear. Come with clean hands and a pure heart. Assemble with the people of God without fail. Peter said this, you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a man after God's own possession. How blessed we are to sit here today, washed from our sins, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, sons and daughters of Almighty God. And we can assemble together as a loving family and praise and worship the one true and living God. Listen. The bush is burning. The mountain is trembling. And God dwells among His people. Indeed, even at this moment, we here stand on holy ground together Shekaniah. I'm aware that the great majority of you are Christians. God bless you. If we have some here that have not obeyed the gospel of Christ and become sons and daughters of God, you have that opportunity. We'll help you. If you'll confess your faith in Jesus Christ, we'll help you be baptized into Christ the body of Christ, the church of the living God. If we can help anyone in any way regarding a response to the Lord Jesus Christ, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing.